0: Hi, Tim.
1: Hey, Ash.
0: Welcome back to Breaking the Fourth Wall, where we
1: engage in stimulating conversations about ways that we can promote positive change in musical theater.
0: What puzzler do you have for us this week, Tim? All
1: right. What was the first musical to open a section of the orchestra to black audiences every night, breaking with the tradition of having them sit in the balcony?
0: Well, it definitely has to be way back in the past. (laughs) That's right. We go back
1: way in time. So we'll discover that answer together at the very end of this episode. So what's in the news?
0: The Kennedy Center is going to be presenting the musical Next to Normal, but it's going to star this time around Rachel Bay Jones Mm -hmm. and also Brandon Victor Dixon, and it's going to begin performances on January 29th, and what's exciting to me about this production is, of course, we know Rachel Bay Jones Mm -hmm. from many different musicals.
1: Most recently, Jervyn Hansen.
0: Yes, and um, she was also in a few other musicals that we've seen.
1: We saw her in Pippin. Yes. The revival. Yeah.
0: Yes. And Brandon Victor Nixon, who Dixon. is Dixon, pardon me, <laughs> who is playing the father, the dad, yes, the dad, the dad, the dad. Mm-hmm. is a person of color. And
1: I love how diverse this cast is. I was just reading this article, and there are so many diverse actors of color in this show. And I think this is a really excellent statement to make with this show. I think uh, the Kennedy Center is doing a wonderful job with the casting process for this production of Next to Normal.
0: And we've seen Brandon in.
1: Oh gosh, a uh, Scottsboro Boys. Uh, more recently, he was in the uh, televised production of Jesus Christ Superstar as Judas. He was incredible. He was the show. He was absolutely spectacular.
0: Also, there is another production happening at Paper Mill Playhouse. It's the world premiere of the musical Unmasked, the music hmm. of Andrew Lloyd Webber.
1: Now, is this something that they are attempting to take to Broadway, like as a review show, or is it? Well, it's more... not.
0: I don't know if it's really a review show per se. I couldn't really find a. a a real, a very good synopsis and rehearsals. Of course, it's opening January thirtieth.
1: But who knows? Yeah, let's keep our eyes peeled and and let's see if you know it is a book, has a book, or if it's just a a, a review, a song cycle of Angela Weber songs.
0: But it's out there. It's happening. Cool. Also, one of my favorite musicals <laughs> that I cannot wait to see because it's so nostalgic. It's for me. everybody's
1: guilty pleasure.
0: Hit me, baby, one, one more time. time.
1: Oh, baby, baby.
0: Okay, so Britney Spears, the musical. We've been talking about this a while. I cannot believe this is it. happening. <laughs> I can't
1: believe this is happening.
0: I'm kind of excited about it. I, I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it's called Once Upon a One More Time. It has actually set... Well, it's kind of chatter. It's not been actually officially um, announced by the producer of the team yet, but, you know, the word gets out. Uh-huh. It is going to have a preview of beginning June 26th, an official opening of July 30th at the marquee.
1: And is this going to is this going to be about Britney Spears? Like is there going to be like a whole song and scene about like the shaving of the head and like that moment or is it going to be like, shaving like I don't know. I'm head. just trying to picture it in my head like this dramatic <laughs> moment where she's like singing, you know, and the rate and the clippers come out and she's like uh, no. I don't know. I'm I love curious. Britney Spears. Okay, so <laughs> I love her.
0: let me give you a little synopsis here. Okay. This is from uh, Broadway.com Once Upon a Time. Dun dun dun, mm-hmm. dot, dot dot. A group of famous fairy tale princesses gather for their fortnightly book club to read together from well, the only book they've ever known: Grimm's fairy tales. When Cinderella makes a desperate wish for a new story, a rogue fairy tale, gra- a rogue fairy grandmother drops the feminine mystique in her hmm. corset lap. Oh, baby, baby. <laughs> Could there really be one more? Could there really be more to life than bridesmaid stresses, friendships, with woodland creatures and dreams of a Princess kiss. <laughs> I love it.
1: Oh, please, please let them have a British dialect when they are speaking the text and I singing don't the songs. Know. I could totally see this kind of living in the world of like Head Over Heels, which I think is, r- I loved Head Over Heels. So sure. I, I think, you're
0: right. Very similar. Yeah. Kind of idea. A, a
1: period show mm-hmm. with contemporary pop mm-hmm. music. I think that sounds like where they're going. So, you know, I loved Head Over Heels. So if it's something similar to that, I'm there.
0: It's going to have an engagement in Chicago April 14th. May 17th so they're probably in rehearsals or about to go in rehearsals I don't know anyone that's a part of it so mm. I haven't heard any buzz about it but I'm, I'm I'm excited about it also it has a female director um, she's a Tony Award nominee her name is Kristen and I do not know how to pronounce her last name but it's H-A-N-G-G-I okay. she directed Rock of Ages yeah. along with a few other um, concert productions mm-hmm. of famous pop stars and pop idols so I'm really excited about that it's directed by a female because it's it's about a female story yeah and the last piece of news that's really going to be something i want to discuss today is an article that was posted in broadway world and it's really about the idea of the film industry has had this tradition of doing what's called blackouts Mm -hmm. or also blackout nights Mm -hmm. And it is where a performance is dedicated to an audience of mostly people that are of color and I guess it's been something that's been happening in the film industry for quite a while. I Mm -hmm. did not know that. I wasn't aware of it. But there are a few theaters and and productions that are starting to jump on this bandwagon. So for example, Slave Play that has been Uh on on Broadway, it's a show about racial themes and about the black experience. Mm -hmm. And so this show, they decided to try these blackouts or these um, black nights where they send out a code to certain organizations, certain communities. That support. That are people people, people of, of color. color. Uh-huh. And if you have the code, then you can go online and purchase a ticket, typically at a special rate mm-hmm. for a specific performance night that is set aside for this exclusive audience. And what it does is it's starting to create a more diverse audience. Mm-hmm. So for Slave Play, what they were saying in this article was it's really challenging to look out and see... An audience. It's it's a mostly white audience.
1: Well, to see a show talking about a very specific experience of, of, of a specific group of people and looking at the audience and seeing you know themselves not reflected in the audience, I think is a challenge.
0: And tickets for the performances, when they set this aside for slave play on Broadway, they were they were really around forty five to a hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. And also, if you so if you had the code, you could get a ticket. But also, what they did is if it was if a non black audience member. Showed up, or bought a ticket, or came with someone that that was um, a person of color. They didn't turn them away because, of mm-hmm. course, that is is illegal. Oh well, yeah, you can't do that. Right. And so, w- a few other performances that have done this as well. There is a performance of. Um, the hot wing kid mm-hmm. that's starting to do this special performances as well. And then also signature theater is doing it for um,
1: Cambodian rock band.
0: Yeah, absolutely. For a Cambodian rock band. They're doing two Asian American nights for their performance of Cambodian rock band. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I, so I was reading this article and at the very end of the article. So if anyone wants to check this out, I'll put the links in the show notes mm-hmm. at the very end of the article. It, it also states that the interviewer also spoke to a few other people about this and they wanted to go off record, but that, that they were uncomfortable because they were worried about, are we is,
1: segregating?
0: Are we creating segregation and right. is it going to create this? And this is what was said in response. I think we've had many, many years of whiteouts in the theater, and nobody seemed to really take issue with that. Most nights on Broadway, there are so few people of color. So the fact that we are making space to have a show that deals with this subject matter be free of the white gaze is something I will stand by until the end of time and that's in regards to slave play. So I wanted to discuss and ask you what your thoughts are about how can we make our audiences not just on Broadway but regional theater, community theater, university, school mm-hmm. theater. How can we make them more diverse and what ideas do we have to change, make that positive change mm-hmm. similar to what they're talking about in 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 this article about what's happening with slave play in
1: Cambodian rock band. I think the challenge lies primarily with ticket cost. Broadway shows, we all know, are super expensive, even at the off-Broadway level. We've asked ourselves, you know, when is a musical justifiably worth $400 or $500? It's a challenge for people who aren't normally exposed to the theatrical experience growing up. I know that I wasn't, and I have many friends, uh, actors, performers of color that weren't until they actually got into the craft themselves exposed to theater on a larger scale. Um, primarily because that it wasn't something that was seen as a necessary expense in their family's life. And so trying to get people of color to come to the theater and justify the cost of spending 400 500 even $600 on a show that reflects them, in the case of, say, Hamilton, is a challenge. And I think this is something that even Oscar Eustace, uh, the, um, the artistic director for the public theater, spoke about in his TED Talk, Where he talked about, you know, are we marginalizing the people we're trying to speak to? And I think in some ways, without even trying to, they did. And so I think the first first avenue to look at is, why are we charging so much? Obviously, the cost of running theater is very expensive on Broadway today. I get that. How can we get to a place where if a story is being told about a certain group of people where the audience members are reflected in that same vein? I think outreach is another way. I think these theater companies need to go out into those communities that are representative of the culture of the people that are performing in those shows, doing many performances. Uh, Also, I think because shows like Cambodian Rock Band and Hamilton speak to a, or Slave Play, speak to a very specific populace of people, there should be a special evening set aside for those people of color. I'm not talking about Mean Girls. And I'm not talking about Dear Evan Hansen necessarily. I would be interested if that conversation was starting to be had on shows that were not historically casting or stories that weren't necessarily about people of color. It would be interesting to see if that conversation about segregation would come up on a larger scale if it started to pick up more traction, you know?
0: I think there's something also to say about, you you mentioned, like, you know, Mean Girls, which is... Typically, mostly all white, though one of the main Mean Girls is is typically played by by an Asian, a person that Mm -hmm. is Asian, from the Asian community. But I wonder if we can start to bring a more diverse audience into, yes, ticket prices, absolutely. That's the first thing is Mm -hmm. the financial situation, the cost of it. And then another thought is to actually have people of color on stage. I think if... Give if,
1: people a reason to be excited about going yes, to the theater.
0: Because I, if I was, I'm, I'm not a person of color, but if if I was, I could say, oh, there's I'm being represented on stage instead of I'm going to go see the musical, I don't know, Shrek, the musical, mm-hmm. and it's going mm-hmm. to be three white girls playing Princess Fiona, and I'm not going to see myself represented. I think offering diversity in our casting mm-hmm. And not just people of color, but different shapes, different sizes, different types of people, different styles and characteristics being presented on stage, different orientations being presented on stage, different genders. I think that's where we really need to start considering Mm -hmm. because what we've done for quite some time is our productions have been through a white lens. Yes,
1: absolutely. And that we're talking about over 100 years of history, of, of musical theater history that has been predominantly viewed through one lens. And so there's going to be a major curve to be shifted in regards to how we shift our audience perspective, because most people assume that, unfortunately, that you know most shows are going to be told through one perspective.
0: And I think yes, ticket prices—we need to consider that. Do we have to make enough money to have shows? Absolutely. But there are some ticket prices, even for regional theater, that I'm like, you want it's a hundred dollars? It's mm-hmm. I've seen ticket prices for regional theater in California, well where we are 80, right 100 now, dollars. for almost a hundred dollars for a regular seat, and I as I totally understand that is often necessary. But if we want people to come and see shows, and which is what we're doing this for, if there's no audience, there's no theater, then we have to think about ways that we can offer pricing that is going to be reflected for those people that can't afford it and young people that want to come see musicals but can't afford it and then also being able to okay i I bought that ticket i got that ticket on gold star <laughs> or, or today's ticks or you know i saved up money for it or i got the discount code from my friend but then i want to go see a show and 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 see it not through just one lens mm-hmm. i want to see myself represented on stage especially if you are a person of color and I think being an, our casting really reflects that.
1: Also, I think, okay, so yeah, that's fa- obviously ticket sales. That's the first area. And I, I spoke to this a moment ago, but um, outreach is a major, major avenue. Uh, getting the performers, getting the creative teams out there in the community and connecting with the people that wouldn't normally go see these shows. And part of that outreach, you can create an, a cultural evening around the show, say, Slave Play or Cambodian Rock Band where there's a talk back facilitated at the end of the evening where there is maybe some kind of, in the lobby, and I'm speaking to colleges as well, not just professional theater, where there's some kind of exposition or some kind of Uh, educational component that is supported by that supports the production that's being that's being performed so turning it into an experience less and less of just the performance itself is another way that you can help excite people of color to come watch these performances other than saying you know okay i'm going to spend however much money to come see the show but not only getting the show i'm getting to hear the talkback uh facilitated at the end of the show. I'm also getting some cultural context before the show starts. So outreach is another great way to connect to our audiences to bring them into the theater.
0: I think there's something to be said about re- doing, recruit- doing um, community outreach. Mm-hmm. Many theaters rely on donors. And I absolutely understand that. And I, I know this is something that's very specific to California as well, we rely on donors that have the finances that are willing to contribute to theater. And then there are many events that are done around those donors. And I absolutely think that's wonderful. What often happens is those group of donors tend to be an older white audience. Mm -hmm. And so people of color from different challenging socioeconomic backgrounds really don't feel like there's a space.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100%.
0: And so I think what even it said in this article was about allowing space so so those folks feel comfortable walking into a performance and not looking around and seeing an audience that makes them a little uncomfortable, specifically for these types of plays and Mm -hmm. musicals that are about an experience that speaks to that community.
1: That's absolutely true.
0: And so finding ways to be creative to say, hey, this night is for you or this event is for you. And if we start bringing in more people of color and a more diverse audience into on a normal show level, then it's not going to feel like segregation. It's Mm -hmm. not going to feel like an audience is all white. And I really think it's just getting creative. We've touched on a few topics, Mm -hmm. but it's getting creative and saying, hey, we do we do have a problem here. Mm -hmm. And how can we change What we're doing or what can we offer within the means that we have at our theater? What can we do that's going to feel like this community and these folks are going to feel a part of what we're doing and what we're offering and the theater experience?
1: And what extra steps can we take above and beyond our job as creatives and as performers on stage to help facilitate a larger conversation with a larger, more diverse group of people and audience members?
0: And a lot of that also comes back to doing musicals And works that are written by females, Mm -hmm. that are written by people of color. And that way you can utilize that as a tagline to say, hey, come see this this new musical about so-and-so. I think once we start saying that we're bringing those people into the theater community to show you, those stories to show you written by those people then it'll start bringing a different audience in.
1: And also creating new norms. We talk a lot about new norms, but also talking a lot about new norms. We talk a lot about this in the past, but from the onset, casting, being color conscious in terms of your casting. If we're in middle America, why can't the lead... Female lead, male uh, identifying characters. Be a person of color. Start from the get-go. Take on that opportunity to create diversity from the from the uh, onset of your casting.
0: Right, and choosing your shows, mm-hmm. choosing your creative team, and then choosing your your cast.
1: And you're already winning with your audience in that regard. And then you can facilitate a larger conversation, and you can create an educational component. What is our
0: puzzler answer, Tim?
1: What was the first musical to open a section of the orchestra to black audiences every night, breaking with the tradition of having them sit in the balcony only?
0: And the answer is?
1: Shuffle Along.
0: Oh, this was one of our trivia questions, our puzzlers, a few
1: sessions back. It was, but I think I hope people understand the importance of Shuffle Along. 1921, Yubi Blake, Noble Sissel. This was really a musical that was such a game changer. Here's a cool fact. Uh, I looked this up. President Harry Truman even picked a Shuffle Along song for his campaign anthem, I'm Just Wild About Harry. We're going to leave you today with a little sound clip of various Broadway stars talking about the current theatrical landscape and how much we are actually making positive change in terms of diversity of uh, our casting, uh, our creatives and our audience. So take a listen and have a wonderful week, everybody.
0: When I look across the theater community actually this year, I see a lot of diversity um, in the plays and in the musicals that have nothing to do with Hamilton and that makes me really proud. You know, as a a feminist I'm really happy to see um, women represented in, in so many different categories. It's really Important. I love the world that we made on stage. I mean it's, it's eccentric and it's messy and it, for me it really feels very human.
1: It's really important to be you know, an actor of color, a man of color in this, in this country uh, and feel very much like for the first time like oh, it belongs to me, that I'm a part of it, that I'm contributing to it and in a show that feels like it's contributing to the dialogue and the discourse of what's happening in our country currently. Oftentimes they say Hamilton's so great because it's colorblind casting but it's not colorblind casting. The casting of the show was very specific and very intentional. That's the secret um, exciting part about the great success of this show is it opens those doors, you know, not only for people seeing it, but also for, for producers and directors and being like, well, look, it made a lot of money, you know, so maybe we shouldn't be as afraid of doing it. This is all happening in this area. So many talented people who have worked so incredibly hard and have come from places that are so distinct to be here and to celebrate theater, to make theater part of the cultural conversation. And I think that's what I've been so moved by. We have a lot of work to do still. You know, there's still people
0: that I don't see on these boards, Um, stories that that I long to see. We're on our way.